We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How is that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it under 25 minutes, all right? The Green Bay Packers are 10 and 3. They currently hold the number one seed in the NFC. We're getting a little bit of rhyming going on here. But the Packers are doing good. It's a great time to be alive. It's a great day to be a Packers fan, as is the rest of the 364 days out of the year. I'm Joey. Welcome to episode 93 of the Underage Packers podcast. Uh, great to have you here. And I am, as always, joined by my great friend, Big B here today. Big B, uh, what's your thoughts here? Week 15, what's the mood like overall? Um, positive vibes. Yep. Couldn't be in a better spot. Um, just great, great week to be a Packers fan. Absolutely. Uh, dominating win over the Bears, winning by 15, 45 to 30. They could have put 50 on them if they really wanted to. I really hoped uh, they would let Kurt Binkert go out there with a minute le- uh, minute and a half left. Just let him sling it out there, see what he can do out there. Um, but unfortunately, that did not happen. We, we did get some Kurt Binkert and victory formation action. So that was exciting. Yes. But overall, a great team win against the Chicago Bears. Well, at least two out of the three units were there for the Packers on Sunday. And we'll, we'll hit on that a little bit later. Um, but Big B and I actually witnessed this great win in person um I'll, I'll talk about my experience here but i want, want to hear big b's first because yeah, obviously we uh, met up uh, beforehand pre-game and i know that's a life-changing experience but you know what happened after that i mean you could have dropped your hot dog you could have spilled your soda what was your experience like at lambeau field this weekend yeah, well, it was fantastic being back after almost two years. Um, I really missed it. But um, one thing that did happen was I met Matt Ramage. I literally oh. tracked him down, went down a massive uh, walking ramp. Ramp. It's called ramp. Hmm. Went down to the second or the first level of Lambo, and uh, my feet were killing me afterwards. It was. Oh, yeah. Like finding Waldo, like in Lambo, it was just unbelievable. And my experience during the game, the only thing I'll say to sum it all up was that the people in front of me kept laughing at me because I was so obnoxious. That's all I'll say. That is so, a great thing. Yes, and I'm pretty proud of that. I was, uh, I think I predicted or kind of thought, maybe I just said it to you, or maybe I said it in our episode that. Genuinely, when I'm watching the game, I'm like, I'm kind of calm and like just trying, like, I'm hoping and like keeping my faith silently. Um, it was definitely, I was definitely loud uh, Sunday, though, especially my favorite play of the whole game, just like, and I think it was so different seen in person. And maybe it was just with the angle I was at, but Rasul Douglas uh, pick six in the second quarter. <sighs> That's probably when I screamed the loudest because, like I said, from the angle I was out at um, on the corner of an end zone, corner of an opposite end zone that was turned it in, like I could see the ball went out of Justin Fields' hands, and then all of a sudden, Russell Douglas is running the other way. So, 
Yeah, that was that was insane. That was right on my sideline. Oh, okay. So and I'm like right at the 52. So it's like perfect. It was like perfect view and everything. It was just absolutely gorgeous play. Yes. Also talking about something that just specifically seeing it in person. AJ Dillon, man. <laughs> that was just crazy to see human bodies just like three or four at a time just obliterated. By one giant man in number yes. 28, AJ Dillon. And I didn't realize until I rewatched broadcasts this uh, early on in the week that each one of those carries was going for four, five, six yards. Like that was a pretty yeah. strong uh end of the game performance from AJ Dillon. Yeah, you don't you don't realize that when you're at the game. And then you when you go back and watch, you're like, holy cow, this he's he actually ran a couple decent runs here at the end of the game. Yeah, I like because you're not really paying too much attention without the yellow first down marker. Like, obviously, the uh, orange markers are there for a reason, but you, you can't see them that well, and you're not looking so closely at them. So, uh, I, you know, you're just looking for a big play, and then you're looking at what the referee holds up for either third or fourth down. Um, but, yeah, A.J. Dillon, that, that was pretty crazy to see. Yes. And, I did want to give a shout out or just a mention uh, a pat on the back to us. Uh, incredible experience I had in Green Bay overall, but there was quite a few people I had uh, come up to me. Um, I'm not sure if it was the same for you, but even once I got to my seats, uh, people tell me that they knew me and they knew the Underage Packers podcast, which is just a wild thing to even think about. The fact, like, there, there's just that many people that happen to be at the game that happen to know us. Uh, so a true incredible thank you to so many people um, that did at least uh, with me. It might have been harder to see a big B because he had uh, his mask on. Um, yes. But and not only that, the greatest thing like that in itself is awesome. But then also people like almost every one of them made some reference to Dr. Pepper. Or like some <laughs> reference to a joke we made on the show, which is just absolutely awesome. Like the fact that people get it. Yeah. Cheers to the Dr. Pepper. Like the fact that people get it uh, and understand, like it, it just shows how far our reach is. Um, yes. It's an absolutely crazy thing. So thank you. Oh, snap. Big B oh, freaking out. Dr. Pepper. Here. Oh, yeah. Always. <laughs> This is a great tragedy for the people that are listening uh, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I didn't get to see that greatness. Um, but yeah, one last time, thank you to everybody, um, especially Mike uh, and his buddy, whose name I didn't get, who gave me a non-alcoholic beer. Interesting taste for sure. Uh, yeah, supposedly. I didn't believe them at first when they said, oh, we don't have any soda or Dr. Peppers, but we have this non-alcoholic beer and I was like, let me see the label on that. All right. You know, let me make sure you're no, not no, trying to. Knowing you, you always get mischief. I'll find a way to get myself. In that trouble. word. Yeah. Always getting that word in Green I, Bay. So. I am. I am getting that word. I, yes. I, I understand what you're, you were saying now. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, and I, I would have loved uh, to come back for a brat. That was a great offer, but I was busy. <laughs> Uh, recording a phenomenal video with 
Tyler of Cheesehead TV. Uh, what's your name, sir? My name is Kyle Cousineau. All right, nice to meet you. Uh, how many beers have you had tonight? Uh, so far, probably, this is my fourth, I think. Only only fourth, but it's early. Okay, I see. So have you had any uh, Dr. Peppers at all? No Dr. Peppers. All right, we are here with uh, some Bears fans, unfortunately. What do you guys think about Lambeau Field here tonight? It's, it's nice. I like it. You guys are all... Most gorgeous. One of the... Soldier Field is a shithole. This yeah, is yeah. beautiful. <laughs> He gave me a microphone and we interviewed some drunk people. Absolutely phenomenal time. If you have not watched that yet, highly recommend it, uh, especially because of the way that Tyler, uh, social guy for Cheesehead TV, cut it together so it's so fast-paced and you get the best of the best of every interview, but it's still cohesive. Like two minutes and 30 seconds is perfect for it, um, and it all ended up coming together really nicely. Yeah, it, it was great to be behind the scenes of that for at least a, at least a few of them. It was, it was so funny. And I'm going to let you all on a little secret. That wasn't a real microphone, by the way. That was not a real microphone. Oh. So, all right. Sorry, everybody. But, you know. Yeah, the thing I'm holding there isn't like that's not picking up anything. There's a little thing attached to it. Yes. That's just like a normal microphone you'd see like attached to a camera in somebody's pocket when they're going out. So, you know, it, it picked up really well, though. And I, yes. I, I'm i sure the people that I was interviewing would be disappointed to find that out. <laughs> and there's also a picture that somebody sent to me of, uh, like, just me interviewing somebody. And it's an awesome picture because it looks like I'm out there for some professional news company. With, and Tyler's got his flashlight on on his phone. So it looks like I'm in front of a camera. It was uh, C. Nelson, who I'm familiar with. And they probably didn't want to come up to me just because I was interviewing. Um, but, you know, that that was a lot of fun. And we got we got some drunk people in there, which was the whole goal. Like, I, I think with the, the first interview that you only see at the very end uh, when they say, oh, we're from Utah. And I'm just like, all right, Matt, we don't need you anymore. So where are you guys from? Utah. All right. I think uh, that's all we got for you. Like. That first interview, I think I could have done a better job at kind of establishing the mood. Uh, yeah, like, I, could, I could tell you were a little nervous. I could tell. Yeah, and like, and I didn't really even get like the mood. I understood the mood and kind of tone we were going for, but I didn't. I, I, I was kind of struggling to figure out how can I like get some funny answers out of them. The conversation wasn't going anywhere really, and um I've said this before on here that like when I'm nervous interviewing somebody, I'm just like so thrilled that I got the question out that I'm not even paying attention to their answer to think of a follow up or like respond to their answer. So that was a def definitely a case here. Like I, I could have probably maybe built something off of that. I don't I still think their answer might have been a little bit boring. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's so funny that there's like. Yeah, we're from Utah, and I'm just like, all right, <laughs> we don't need, we're done with you. Yep. But anyways, absolutely incredible weekend in Green Bay. Big B will be back there for the Christmas Day game against the Cleveland Browns. I'm sure he'll have a fun time there. Um, snow is in the forecast. We're still 10 days out, but snow is currently in the forecast uh, for Green Bay on that uh, snow on that hopefully white Christmas Day game against Cleveland. That, that would be a lot of fun. McGuire in the role of fullback. 
Rodgers comes back to the left. Wide open is Jones. And he is into the end zone again. On back-to-back -back offensive plays. 23 yards this time. All right. Now let, let's get to some more analysts of the game. The game that we kind of saw. And the thing that stuck out to me in person and when I rewatched it uh, and these past few weeks, really, is that Aaron Rodgers, toe injury, is making him play the best football of the season. This game against L.A. and this game against Chicago, these past two games, I would say are undoubtedly his best two games of the season. Um, who do we, we played Minnesota before that. And mm -hmm. in the second half of that game on fire, I think Aaron Rodgers is starting to really put it together with this 2021 offense. Um, Big B, what are your thoughts on Aaron's past few performances? Man, well, uh, the Bears game, that was vintage Aaron Rodgers. It felt like oh, yeah. we went back in a time machine. He was like pinpoint. I still can't get over that catch by Alan Lazard in the first quarter, I think it was. Oh, yeah. That was insane. And the, just the whole offense as a whole has been playing so much better. The run game, the pass game, just blending so nicely the past few weeks. Coming back to 2020 offense, and I am all here for it, especially right. now in December, in the January, in the February. Watch out, people. It's oh, yeah. here. It's here. Yeah. I mean, like, for sure. Yeah. You, you summed it up pretty well. Aaron Rodgers is playing awesome. And yes. we're getting down the stretch. And uh, not only Aaron, like you mentioned, all of the offense is really starting to have some really good performances. Alan's hard had a, a good performance rebounding, uh, bouncing back after some poor ones um, a few weeks before. Um, and then the offensive line also is still holding up really well, even with all this adversity they face. Big B, I'm sure if I told you, at the start of the season, that by week 15, our offensive line would be looking like Yash Nyman at left tackle, John Runyon at left guard, Lucas Patrick at center, uh, Royce Newman at right guard, and then Dennis Kelly at right tackle. You'd probably think that Aaron Rodgers has half a second to get rid of the ball before the defenders <laughs> are in his face. Yeah, I'd be saying, Jesus, take the wheel. Oh, yeah. But – but you know they've been playing like really good. Like they had, they have like one to three mess ups like in the first few drives, and then they're great for the rest of the game. They have a few hiccups, and then like I said, they're they're fine for the rest of the game. And I feel like that's all this team needs is just a solid offensive line, not a great offensive line, just a solid offensive line. Have Aaron Rodgers back there as well. Give him some time to throw, and you're seeing. What can happen? Yep. Yeah. Uh, what was so important to the offense's success last year uh, was incredible play from the offensive line. Like, yes. yeah, I, I am just like my mind is dreaming right now of an offensive line with David Bakhtiari at left tackle, Elton Jenkins at left guard, uh, and then uh, so Corey Lindsley at center. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe that was an actual offensive line with this offense. Um, I know. But from what they've gone through, they're holding up really well. And yep. you don't notice them too much, which is always a good thing. And uh, the whole offensive line unit got their time to shine 
on the Packers game day program this past week. I mean, you got all of them in there. We even got some Ben Braden, 15 <laughs> seconds of fame on the game day program. That's great to see. Sir. So uh, speaking of this offensive line and the reason that the veteran Dennis Kelly got his first action on the Packers was because Billy Turner went down in that first quarter uh, for the Packers. It looked pretty similar to Elton Jenkins uh, injury just a few weeks ago. And uh, I think just with the, the um, nature of the offensive line injuries we've had the, this season with, I uh, guess he's out for the year, but Matt Fleur, the, in his uh, past two press conferences, has showed some optimism, which he really rarely does with injuries, uh, showed some optimism, and it doesn't look like it'll be a season-ending injury for Billy Turner. I'd expect he'll be out for the next four weeks of the regular season. But come playoff time, if we get uh, probably, I mean, you know, all signs pointing to David Bakhtiari being back, potentially Josh Myers being back, and then Billy Turner returning for the playoffs puts the offensive line in an even better state. So hearing that Billy isn't going to be out for a long time, hearing that it's not an ACL injury is huge because if it was ACL, this is just two weeks uh, before uh, two weeks in the year before David Bakhtiari got his on New Year's Eve and Bakhtiari is still uh, out until week 15 of the following year. So Elton's probably going to experience a similar timeline I'm sure it's different for everyone, but Elton's certainly not going to be uh, back week one for the Packers unless um, bearing some absolutely incredible recovery path. So <laughs> Billy Turner not having to go through that is a great sign, although with his contract and the cap space, he might be gone after this year anyways. But we don't need to talk about that. We're not talking about any offseason negativity. And yes. Uh, because, you know, I saw a lot of people, and this has been throughout the season when Aaron Rodgers ever drops hints about, like, his future in Green Bay or his future with another team, anything like that. People like to analyze, well, what does this mean? What did it, What does uh, Aaron Rodgers' latest quote on the Pat McAfee show means for his future? I don't care, all right? <laughs> if he leaves, if he stays, I don't care in week of the 2021 NFL season. We're about to make a playoff push. I do not care what Aaron Rodgers is going to do at all past February 8th, the first February of the first Sunday of February. I do not care. All right. I hope I made that clear. I don't think you did. I think you're going to have to explain one. (laughs) I don't think the national media is going to hear me anyway, unfortunately. Ah, dang. Um, let's see anything else we got to uh, say on the offense. We got to AJ Dillon. Uh, we talked about Kurt Binkert. Uh, one guy I wanted to talk about though was Mercedes Lewis. You know, a nice golf clap for him. Four receptions for 51 yards. He had a lot of big receptions, obviously, when you're averaging uh, just short of 13 uh, yard average on every reception, <laughs> you're getting some big receptions in there. Um, yes. He had a, like a 20-yard one where he got a little acrobatic after, you know, falling down uh, and almost a tumble on uh, a big 20-yard reception. So I, I think, you know, Robert Tunyon is out. So Josiah DeGuara, Mercedes Lewis are obviously going to have to step it up. Um, not that they're, they were playing bad beforehand, but they're going to have to assume more of a role here. And uh, 
we'll see how they play going into the playoffs here, man. Yeah, and I want and um, I wanted to bring up uh, Josiah Deguara for a quick second before we head into the defense or special teams or wherever we're going after this. Josiah Deguara is starting to round in the shape, finally start to find a place in this offense. He is coming to the point where he was Minnesota last year, week one. Like, yep. like it is gorgeous to watch. This is what Matt Lafleur has been dreaming about since we drafted him. I'm just so excited, so happy to see him develop into a uh, starting role in the offense, especially down the stretch. He's going to have to pick it up, and he is, and he is. So. He's starting to. Yeah. Yeah, you bring up uh, last year against uh, Minnesota week one, which is such a weird pull for a, a NFL rookie's very first game to point to that and say that's what he's looking like now. But yeah, he wasn't incredibly productive against Minnesota, but he got a lot of opportunities um, yes. out of the backfield as a fullback um, and really in the receiving game. I like I loved the opportunities that Josiah had in the receiving game against Minnesota last year. Um, there was specifically one wheel route where he could have been gone, uh, but Aaron just shortly overthrew him. So uh, anyways, uh, I agree completely completely with what you said about Josiah there. And uh, he's a very versatile, versatile piece, obviously. And we'll see what he can do down the stretch here for Green Bay. Yeah, and, and how could I forget that block he had on that one oh, run man. play? He absolutely lit him up. I know um, Nagler showed on Packers transplants for the hotness. It it was truly the hotness. It was. It was. I know. That's something, like, you could even show, like, even a casual NFL fan, and they get excited about it. Even somebody that doesn't, like, really understand or love blocking Titans, like, you could show that to them just, like, killing a man and that's that's some good content to watch oh yes uh so that's Josiah Deguara here uh before we get to the defense who also had a pretty good game or special teams um I did want to talk about get back to Aaron Rodgers and I wanted to originally talk about this before we moved on from him uh was the MVP race I don't want to talk about this too much because it can definitely get a little oversaturated, a little too hypothetical, a little too much like, well, who really cares about some analysts? We'll just wait to see what happens when it happens. But uh, it's it's he's hiding the race is tightening up and there's really not a front runner candidate at this point. Tom Brady started off really hot. I think he had like 18 touchdowns in his first four games. Um, he had some eh, performances from then to now. Um, he's coming off a, a good game against Buffalo. Um, but, you know, there's uh, quite a handful of quarterbacks that are kind of just at that same mix. You got Brady, obviously, Rodgers, and then Kyler Murray, I think, is three, I'd say. And then you got, like, a few guys trailing behind if Stafford hasn't uh, sucked these past few weeks. He'd be right up there as well. Uh, and then Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Yep. Just ah, there you go. Look at us. Uh, yeah. In sync. And so, you know, Frank Reich likes to actually use them and doesn't want to give them the Mike McCarthy treatment to Aaron Jones. Then uh, we'll see what happens with Taylor. Um, but he'd, he'd have to have end the season off with some strong performances as a running back, especially as a disadvantage there. But Big B, what are you thinking? Um, 
of Aaron Rodgers potentially winning back-to-back MVPs in his fourth on his career. Well, I, I predicted it before um, the season started. So, I mean, I'm happy about it. Um, I, I, it probably won't happen because of everything that happened this off season and the COVID stuff. Yeah. But it is exciting to look at and uh, something to watch Tom Brady, just throwing interceptions. They're going to win the rest of their games. They have a, they have a cakewalk of a schedule the rest mm-hmm. of the way. So like Brady, just throwing a couple pick sixes, a couple picks here and there. Rogers just staying on the hot streak. He is. You probably have a lot better chance at winning the MVP than a lot of people think. I know it will be really interesting to see. I, I do think it will go to Brady. Yeah. Um, just because of two things you mentioned of uh, voter fatigue, you know, they they voted for him last year uh, unanimously. I think Mike Florio threw in a vote for some. It was, I, Florio probably threw in a Mahomes vote there. Um, Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> but voter fatigue from last year and then also just the controversy, they, they might not want that. And also, uh, you know, if they were true to their jobs, but we know media members most of the time aren't, uh, mm-hmm. then, you know, Rodgers has had, in my opinion, better performances uh, this season. So uh, we'll have to see what happens here. Uh, it could be maybe like it. Maybe it's like last year with Mahomes, where it comes down to these final four games, and uh, Rodgers has some really strong performances down the stretch. Yeah. All right, that's Aaron Rodgers. We'll see. Uh, we'll ha- update that weekly on our thoughts or whenever we feel it's necessary. Okay, I think that's all we have to talk about for the offense. And now it is on to the defensive side of the ball. We need to start off the defense's conversation with the same probably talking point that we have every single week, and that is for Sewell Douglas and Devondre Campbell playing absolutely insane. Yeah, round of applause for those guys. Um, and I like there we wouldn't be talking about them if it didn't feel like every week they're putting better stuff out there. Like yeah. Devondre Campbell, I think, showed a whole different side of him last week against Chicago. Like, uh, we said that uh, before the game, like, the only chance Chicago really has is to run David Montgomery over and over again. Devondre Campbell and Kenny Clark shut that down pretty fast. Yeah. Um, I watched some clips on Twitter of all 22 broadcasts, and the thing I really noticed with Devondre was his patience to wait for things to develop, wait for holes develop instead of just pursuing one pocket where David could uh, possibly run to he waits for David to choose a side and he's kind of hovering in between those two and he immediately shuts his down when uh, Montgomery makes that decision so Devondre Campbell man 16 total tackles on the day my god what a beast man yeah he had to kind of at least come close to some type of record for in Packer history and then Rasul Douglas, I still say without a doubt, L.A. was his best performance. Um, he had the pick six, and then he also had so many pass breakups, which were fun to watch. And then this game, we talked about it earlier, the pass breakup, and Justin Fields had to run a lot because, mm-hmm. man, uh, Channon Sullivan, Eric Stokes, Douglas, lockdown coverage, man. Yeah. Like, man. Pretty legit. I'll tell you. Pretty that legit. Yeah. 
they're 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 quite something. And going down the stretch here, it's it's fun to think about. Well, the season as a whole, it's fun to think about how different this Joe Barry defense would look, especially without Devondre Campbell. But how different this you know without Campbell and then also without Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas. If Jair gets injured and our answer for him is Shamar Jean Charles to get a boost or Kavion Into, oh my God. Good Lord. That's a scary thing to think about. And Campbell yeah. as well, if this inside linebacker room is Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin instead of the veteran Devondre Campbell, like, sheesh. I mean, I was excited for Kamal Martin before the season started, but that just sounds disgusting right now. It does. It really does. And I'm sure they – like, uh, the, the releasing of Kamal Martin and kind of the timing is still a question to me because I know I, – I, I know Kirksey's contract was too expensive to keep for the value he was giving. Yes. But if they were – if Kamal Martin was so bad in camp that they had to release him in his second year off season, like you'd have to think, I know he was recovering from an injury, but you'd have to think they, they wanted somebody else at inside linebacker. And they didn't do that until they signed Vondre in like June. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank God though, that Devondre proved to be good and they ended up signing him. Yes, and, he, and Kamal probably didn't contribute a lot on special teams, which doesn't look like many people are contributing on special teams anyway, but you no. Know. And that's a great transition. And I, I thought before this game, there's no way, there is no way this can get worse on special teams. I thought before they promoted Maurice Drayden to uh, replace Sean Meninga that there's no way this got worse. Could get worse. There's, and I thought the same thing when they hired John Meninga to replace Ron Zook. Finally, there's <laughs> no way this could get worse. And I'm sure Packers fans in the early 2000s, when they moved on from Sean Slocum, they thought there's no way this can get worse, and it keeps getting worse. And I'll, I'll say this: no one feels worse than those young men who were on the field. Uh, no one feels worse than them. Uh, they, they have beat themselves up, and that's why, you know, I'm the positive Pete right now. We got, we got to be positive Pete because uh, those guys feel bad. They do. Uh, and, and they're working hard. And, uh, you know, I was encouraged going into the game because we had a good week of preparation. Uh, we've had a great two days of preparation here. Uh, but we have to do it on Sunday. This is the bottom line. It has to get done on Sunday. Even in, like, 1928, when they didn't have specialists to punt and kick the ball. They might, they might have not even kicked or punt the ball at that time. For Vern Llewellyn, come on now. Oh, sure, 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 of course. Come on. How could I forget about Jeez. pro football Hall of Famer Vern Llewellyn? Um, should be. Should be. Pro should be. Yes, that's correct. All right. Um, uh, you know, it's like – and it's – like they probably – we're playing better special teams then when they didn't have specialists, when they had Don Hudson having to do all the work for them, have him run for an 80 yard touchdown and then go out there and kick the field. goal. We saw a bad performance in Cincinnati where they missed five straight field goals. And it wasn't truly all on Mason Crosby because the protection was pitiful. 
And now here they come against the Chicago Bears. And in the first half alone, they allowed 213 return yards for the Chicago special teams units. That is crazy. We hit rock bottom, right? I hope. <laughs> I really hope we did. If we didn't, oh, I do boy. not want to see what rock bottom looks like. Like, oh Lord, God! If if you take away special teams, that's at least seventeen points taken away from Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's nuts. And there's some things like going to the coordinator Marie Strait, and there's some things with special teams where it's hard to pinpoint on. Okay, this is we can't tell if you know if this guy just doesn't get it or if Marie Strayden cannot do his job. But there are certain points in there where you're like, what are we even trying to accomplish? Yeah. I don't know much about special teams, but there's some things I see on the film I watch where I'm like, hmm, that does not seem like a good plan. Yeah, like like Okay, I'm not a, uh, I'm not I'm not a returner. I'm not a punt returner, but I'm pretty sure really? you don't go like this to catch a punt. Like Amari is going like this to catch a punt. Yeah, and I just I don't know anything about football clearly, but yeah. I don't think that's how you're supposed to catch a punt. I I was I taught to so. catch it like this, where your yeah. elbow your elbows touching and catch it like this. Yep. And man, part of this. Okay, I'm gonna take this from Andy Herman. If you guys All haven't right, watched. Watch, watch this, then you can listen to me blab what, what Andy Herman said because I'll sound smart because Andy Herman is smart. Some of this has to be put on Brian Gutekinds, just a little bit, not all of it, because he didn't get a returner. There's not a single returner on the 53-man roster, not a, not a returner on the practice squad. Hell, not even on IR is there a, a returner that's, that's not even – that's injured. Like there's nobody and yeah. like, I don't know. That's the one flaw this off season for Gudikins is not finding a punt returner or a sure. kick returner. That's the one thing he didn't do. He had a fantastic off season, fantastic mid season um, acquisitions, everything. But the one thing he did not get a punt returner, just a little bit that nobody's talking about is Gudikins not doing that. Yeah, man. And uh, like, I think Amari Rogers was kind of an attempt to say like, not only can he be a very, very versatile piece in the offense, but he can also return punts. I don't know how much he experienced yet at Clemson, but it's clearly not working out. And then he Malik Taylor is kind of the fallback plan. And he was originally on kickoff returns, even after a 2020 season where he did not look good specifically in the Colts game where Malik fumbles uh, a kick uh, right back in the Packers end, and they start out at like the two or three, and then he also makes some boneheaded return um, decisions in that same game. Overall, Malik wasn't good. Um, Kylan Hill proved to be a better kickoff returner, and it's such a shame mm-hmm. that he isn't getting this great opportunity right now. Randall mm-hmm. Cobb at 30 obviously isn't going to get the job done when they threw him out there against L.A. They were really just hoping for him to hold on to the ball. And he didn't. So I don't know what to say. 
returner is an issue. Punt formations, return stopping is an issue. Kickoffs, kicking has been an issue. Man. Bro, I miss Jamal so much. Just put him back there at kick yeah. returner, dude. He, he did some of that last year at the end of the year. I'm missing him now. Like, we need him. <sighs> yeah. Man. And even before, uh, it was 2019, when the Packers could not find a punt returner to save their lives. They tried out so many people there. They had <laughs> Trevor Davis, Tremont Williams back there at certain points. And then finally, uh Tyler Irvin comes along and saves them. But before that, they they probably average negative five yards on every return. Yeah. And with Ron Zook and Meninga, there was they both had their kind of like icks. There's certain things like they could not never get together. With Zook, it was definitely the penalties. And with Meninga, it was I, I returning definitely. Um and then, you know, Drayden just seems to suck at all of it. Like, <laughs> just a combination of Zooks and Meninga's problems. But, good Lord. It's, I do not want to talk about the special teams unit all, for the rest of the season unless it is a return touchdown. Never again. Like, yes. unless it's something positive. I do not want to be talking about the special teams, especially for the amount of time we have spent on it in this episode alone. Man, I hope we hit rock bottom. I hope so. I just pray. I hope it cannot go farther down. Like I don't think it can, but I I they probably it probably can, knowing them. Knowing them, they'll find a way. They'll find a way. Yeah. We'll see, man. And all right, I'm done with this. Let's yeah, there's some more things I want to say, but like possibly firing Drayden with 2020 no. season, but put it to rest. We'll let yeah. him get it together against uh, the Ravens and former special teams coordinator, John Harbaugh. They got a really good special teams unit down there. Number one special teams unit in the league. That's that's obviously what a lot of people are talking about the Ravens this week. <laughs> Not... Oh. Their elite quarterback going down. Uh, Lamar Jackson suffered a high ankle sprain last week against the Cleveland Browns, and they've been trying to get him out there at practice this week. Um, and apparently today, Thursday, was kind of a big day for him, a big day for the team. They wanted to see, okay, if he's good to go on Thursday, fine and dandy, we'll throw him out there on Sunday. Did not, was not able to show up today. So it's now looking highly unlikely that he will go out there against Green Bay, which obviously changes quite a bit of things for the Packers. They were, the defense did a really solid job at containing Kyler Murray, uh, obviously only holding the Cardinals to 21 points in Week 9. Uh, Justin Fields had to resort to scrambling plenty of times, and he's pretty fast. Um, so Lamar being out, we'll never know how much he could run over the Packers. However, the backup quarterback for Baltimore is also kind of a shifty guy. Tyler Huntley, not Hundley. Um, Tyler Huntley is what Brett Huntley wishes he could be. Oh, hey, oh. Um, but, I, you know, last week uh, the Ravens almost came back. Am I making that up or did they like 
kind of make it close near the end uh, against the Browns. Yeah, they, they came back, and then didn't Cleveland do something stupid, and then Ravens got the ball back, and then Miles Garrett did something, and then things happened. That sounds like a pretty typical Browns game. Yeah. They do something stupid, and Miles Garrett does something good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the Ravens made it 22-24 to 24 and scored 16 in the second half and shut out the Browns. So, interesting. Not bad. And, and all of that would have been with uh, Huntley at quarterback. So, Yes, Walmart version, Lamar Jackson. I know. That's exactly what I think of. Like, they have the same, like, skinny type build, too. So, like, I know. It's weird. Pick a number like... eight on Huntley, and I'd have no clue. I know. It's so weird. I'm, I'm sure we'll be able to see when he's actually playing. I'm sure we'll see a difference four quarters in. Probably. Uh, but that I, I'd be surprised now at this point if Lamar ends up coming out there. Uh, he will have star rookie wide receiver Rashad Bateman, who has been doing good, and then uh, Mark Andrews at tight end. So that's Huntley's weapons. Um, and then Big B. I, I have a kind of a a shocking stat to share with you. All right. I okay. need you. All right. Guess which uh, position, like which rank the Ravens have in run defense this year. The ranking. Yes. Like um, they're pretty good. So probably like top five. They are actually number one in the league oh. in run defense, okay. at least for yards allowed per game. And now all right, so they got a really strong uh, unit for a run, obviously. They got Khalees Campbell on that front. Now guess for me what their pass defense ranks in the league. Well, they, it seems like everybody in their secondary is, like, gone and hurt or has yep. COVID or something. So yep. I'm going to say probably, like, 29, 30. They are 31st. Oof. Uh, that needs to be researched. Somebody needs to look into that to see if the NFL offense or NFL defense has ever ranked first in one category and 32nd in the other. <laughs> like, that is crazy. That is. And like you mentioned, they got a lot of guys out to do due to injury, uh, most notably star cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who is on injured reserve. So uh, they also have Chuck Clark, their safety, who was placed on the COVID list earlier today. So – that's secondary, man. It's it's looking like Aaron Rodgers might might get uh, his arm worked out. Yeah, and a keto keto victory is definitely getting a running game going this week. Like, if you can get the running game going, if if the Ravens can stop AJ Dillon, which is hard to do, then it's going to be difficult. But if oh, yeah. they can't, which they probably won't, it's going to be a very fun game for the offense. Yeah, that might be an underrated aspect in this game because, like, being able to take advantage if we can somehow run effectively on the number one run defense in the league and then, like, start making their backup corners, backup secondary, like, start having to roll up and then just absolutely expose them. Oh, man. Shoot, I want them to go for 300 yards. Oh, yeah. I hope the Ravens are able to – that, that number five in the first digit one on their scoreboard, that might get that might make an appearance on Sunday. Maybe. Well, we'll have to see. Stack some high-scoring performances on for the Packers offense. All right, that's the Baltimore Ravens game. 
Now let's look ahead to the future. Matt McFleur can stop listening up to this point. They're going to go one and zero this week. Now cover yep. your ears, Coach Matt McFleur, because we're going to look ahead into the future at the NFC playoff picture, with the, which the Green Bay Packers currently hold the number one seed in. Uh, with at ten and three, they got tiebreakers. Uh, over the Arizona Cardinals, who are the third seed because of the matchup win, obviously. And then they have more conference wins than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the two seed. So all the Packers have to do is win out, and then the road to L.A. will run through Lambeau Field. They'll get that sweet first-round bye. So they got four games to go here. Um, and I know a lot of people might think, especially now with Lamar Jackson out, oh, you know, an easy run here. But to me, the Ravens, the backup quarterback, you got the Browns, two kind of inconsistent teams that you never know what you can expect from them. Uh, and then you have the Vikings and the Lions send it off. And division games can always be, once again, you never know what to expect from them. So, yeah, and, and the Lions always give us a hard time yeah. in Detroit. Like the past, what was it, like three, three, two years, they've come down to like a last-second field goal by Mason Crosby, which that I'm saying that kind of scares me, but, you know, we won't think about that until the time comes. Yeah, uh, they, they certainly have played hard. We'll see if Jared Goff can keep that up. Yeah. Uh, but the, we, we might be able to drop still a game or two Hopefully only one at most, uh, but Arizona still does have the four-seeded Cowboys on their schedule and then uh, the Indianapolis Colts as well. So they could – Cardinals could still drop one or two. Tampa Bay, though, like you mentioned, does not have any challenging teams on their schedule. Yeah. but Our only, our only hope is probably New Orleans this week. And the probably. Rest probably won't see an L in the category for any other – but anything can happen. Uh, you know, that's why they play the games. Yep. So, but easiest path for Green Bay, just win, 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 win. And mm-hmm. then you can rest a little bit. Yep. Uh, so they do clinch the NFC North with a win against Baltimore or a Chicago win over Minnesota on Monday. So it, might, it looks like it might be hat and T-shirt week this week in Baltimore. Man, I am so mad that we that the Steelers and Pat Fryermuth couldn't hold on to that touchdown to seal <sighs> off a great comeback against Minnesota. And uh, I mean that would have been awesome to clinch the division uh, at home against the Bears. Everybody filing down to the pro shop to get their NFC North champions hat and T-shirt. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I, I was ready. I was ready. I, yeah, I, I had an extra 25 saved in uh, my pro shop expenses, so <laughs> didn't happen, though. Other than that, anything else uh, you want to add, Big B? One thing about the Bears game. One thing. Okay. I, I got this from Mike Spofford. I'm just taking taking everything from everybody else this week. But the five touchdowns scored, I think I think he said in the second, second quarter, but – I feel like there wasn't five touchdowns scored now that I'm thinking about it. But five touchdowns were scored of 35-plus yards. Is an NFL record since the tracking since 1991 – or 1921. So that's pretty crazy. So Five touchdowns scored of 35-plus yards. 
Oh, okay. And that, that was all because of Chicago's. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah, they had two early on in the game and then a return. And then, but Aaron also had his pass to Devontae, which was almost like the length of a Hail Mary. Sam was throwing it at like the 50. So that was a pretty crazy play. Great note. Great way to end it off. Uh, I think this is a really good one. We went a long time and I think no dead air, no boring conversations. And hopefully our listeners feel the same. Uh, Yeah. I hope, man, I I don't understand how if we've got listeners on all of our past 92 episodes and I don't think there's any way they could find any of our conversations boring <laughs> there there's certainly somewhere i'd i'd point out but we're gonna end it off here uh we appreciate you guys so much for listening and all the support you give us uh, make sure to continue to show us that support by subscribing to the youtube channel following us on all the social media thingies and we'll talk to you later packers get their win against baltimore this week 11 and 3 continue their dominance of the nfc we'll talk to you later Go Pack Go.